pray. Um, Father, thank you um, that you're the God who sees us and you see each of us individually in your unimaginable vastness of your love and mercy. You see each of us individually um, on the journey that we're walking. And I want to thank you that you often interrupt our journey um, with moments of surprise where you speak to us, where you let us know that we're not alone, where you let us know that we're seen, where you let us know that we're loved. And I, I just I pray we would have our eyes and ears open not to miss those moments, that we would um, take them and treasure them in our hearts and that we would um, confess them out loud to each other, um, that the Lord has been good to me, that the Lord has spoken to me. Um, and Father, we want to thank you for the gift of your word through which you speak to us again and again, words of life. Um, and I want to pray that as we open it up again this morning, that this might be one of those moments um, when you speak into our lives and into our hearts um, with life-giving power um, and that you would bring good fruit from the soil of our lives as we listen. Um, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, we're going to jump right in this morning. Um, Jenny's already given me my introduction, so it is the parable of the sower. Um, so let, let's jump right in. We're going to read from uh, Mark chapter 4, very, very famous parable. Um, and we're going to read the parable and then also uh, Jesus' explanation of the parable. So Mark chapter 4, reading from the beginning, uh, says this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large. And this is a scene we've seen many times in Mark as Jesus is teaching. The crowd is getting bigger. Um, the crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat on it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Then we're going to skip down a few verses to verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, 
because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Um, Let me repeat again those words from Jesus. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Um, Really famous parable. Um, Often sermons on this passage will focus um, on the four kinds of soil, which are obviously a a huge part of the the, the point of the story, uh, and maybe ask us to consider what kind of soil we are as we listen to the word, uh, our, our reception Uh, of the word of God into our lives. Uh, And those are really helpful uh, questions to ask. Uh, But maybe this morning, I want to consider this parable from a slightly different angle. Um, In this series, we're reading Mark's gospel through the lens of asking, what does it mean for us to be apprentices of Jesus, learning from him how to do life, learning from him how to human, how to be a human being? Um, And those are the questions that we're we're asking. And maybe another angle on this parable, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed, Jesus doesn't tell us who the farmer is. Um, People sometimes speculate and wonder, it could be God himself, is God the farmer sowing the word? Jesus could be the farmer. Um, But as often with his parables, I think Jesus leaves open different possibilities. Um, And I want to suggest that as disciples of Jesus, we are called to join him in this work of scattering seeds. So it's true, of course, that we are the soil. So you can look at it from that angle. We are the soil and we receive the seed. But there's also a really important sense in which we are invited to become the farmer or maybe the helpers of the farmer and to be involved in this work of scattering the seeds. And I want to think about that with you um, this morning. Um, Jesus tells us that the seed in the parable is the word. The farmer sows the word. Um, I don't know if you kind of pause to think about that. It's a slightly cryptic thing to say. He doesn't flesh it out. He doesn't explain what he means by that. He sows the word. What what does that mean? Maybe you're thinking it's really obvious, uh, but I want to puzzle at it a little bit with you uh, this morning. Uh, I want to consider with you three possibilities for what that might mean when Jesus says, The farmer sows the word. Three possibilities of what the word might be. And I want you to think as we reflect on them, which which you think is uh, the right way to read it. Um, First possibility is that the word is the words of Jesus. Um, We've seen in Mark's gospel, Jesus going around teaching. And um, it tells us in Mark 1, he taught with remarkable authority. So the buzz went around. This, this man teaches not like anyone we've heard teach before with remarkable authority. And, and we have lots of his teaching collected for us in Mark's gospel, which we're reading at the minute, and also in Matthew and also in Luke and also in John. And they're collected together uh, as the parables of Jesus, like the one that we've just read and the ones that follow in Mark chapter 4. 
Uh, there are lots more parables in Matthew and uh, some more in Luke. Um, they're collected together sometimes in the Gospels as sermons, uh, like the, the Sermon on the Mount, which is probably the most famous, uh, or the Upper Room Discourse at the end of John's Gospel. There are longer sermons of Jesus that are collected together. And then, of course, there are lots and lots of bits of teaching that Jesus does more off the cuff as he meets people. There are lots of individual conversations with Nicodemus and the woman at the well and all kinds of people uh, that he meets as he goes about. So a lot of the teaching of Jesus, the, the actual words of Jesus, have been stored for us and kept for us in the Gospels. And I want to suggest the words of Jesus are incredibly important. Um, in some Bibles, maybe in your Bible, they're even written in red to kind of highlight where the words of Jesus um, appear. Um, if Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, as Mark said at the very beginning of his gospel, then we're going to want to listen really carefully to every word he says. We're not going to want to let any of his words fall to the ground. We're going to want to read them and remember them and store them in our hearts, and we're going to want to talk about them and put them into action. Um, Jesus, in Matthew's gospel, very famously um, said this. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. So Jesus put this big emphasis on these words of mine. Anyone who hears them and puts them into practice, their life will be like a, a house built on the rock. Um, a little bit later in Mark's gospel from where we are at the minute in chapter 9, um, there's a scene where God speaks from heaven, the voice speaks from heaven uh, about Jesus and says, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Right? So there, there's a divine thunderous command. God is saying, listen to him. So the words of Jesus have tremendous importance. Um, but can I tell you something a little bit strange? Is that sometimes as people who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we're not very good at paying attention to his actual words. Sometimes um, we, we pay more attention to other parts of the Bible. And so we pay a lot of attention to Paul and others talking about Jesus. We maybe pay attention to stories about Jesus because we like the stories. Um, or we pay attention to our favorite passages in the Psalms or in Isaiah. But sometimes, and you can, you can maybe do this little quiz for yourself, if somebody asked us, um, could we repeat for them some of the words of Jesus, some of the things that Jesus said, some, some of us would struggle a little bit. We, we would have John 3, 16, and then we might struggle. We, we focused a little bit on other parts of the Bible and maybe neglected the words of Jesus himself. Um, and I was, I was trying to think of an analogy for this, and this is very imperfect, but it's maybe a little bit like if someone says to you that they are a huge Beatles fan, right? Huge fan of the Beatles. And you ask them what their favorite album is, and they kind of say, oh, I don't, really, I don't really listen to the albums. And you say, oh, maybe your albums are very 1990s, so maybe you just listen to songs. So what are your favorite songs? And they struggle to name any of them, and maybe they, they kind of they know the chorus of Hey Jude, but that's kind of it, the na-na-nas, and uh, not a lot more. And you say to them, well, what do you mean when you say you're a huge fan of the Beatles? And they say, well, I like reading books about the Beatles, and 
interviews with the Beatles and going to conferences with other fans of the Beatles and talking about the Beatles and getting excited about the Beatles. But I don't really listen to their music. That would be a very, very odd thing. But I want to suggest there's something like that. If we are saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, and people say to us, tell me a bit about your favorite bits of what Jesus taught. And you say, well, I'm, I'm struggling here a little bit. Um, I was remembering as I was thinking about this when I was, when I was a teenager, um, and I went a couple of times to France on mission teams with GLOW, uh, Gospel Literature Outreach. Uh, and there was a French Christian who was a leader in the churches we went to work with in Marseille, uh, whose name was Philippe. I think some of you may have met him. He may even have been an MCF at one point. Um, but Philippe was a singer. He'd been a kind of rock singer before he became a Christian. And then when he became a Christian, he wrote songs about Jesus. Um, and I can't remember most of them, but I've always remembered just one line um, that he repeated in the chorus of one of his songs where he sang, Écoute les paroles de Jésus. And he repeated that again and again. And what does it mean? Listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to the words of Jesus. And so there's our first possibility. Um, as disciples of Jesus, we need to sit at his feet and listen. We need to hang on his every word. We need to store his words in our hearts. We need to turn them into action. And we need to also share them and scatter them everywhere we go with those around us because there's power in the, the words of Jesus. That's the first possibility. I wonder what you think of that one. Second possibility is that the word is the good news about Jesus. Um, remember, again, in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus began his public ministry, um, and what did he do as he began his public ministry? He went around Galilee preaching the good news. And what did he say? He said, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news or the gospel. Uh, and we talked, uh, I think, at the beginning of this series about how um, Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom. But the reason that the kingdom had come near was because the king had come near. And so the good news, which was the good news of the kingdom, was at its heart about Jesus himself. So what was Jesus doing as he went around Galilee? Declaring, announcing the good news, which was about Jesus himself. The king has come, therefore the kingdom has come. Um, in the book of Acts, um, the phrase, the word, which we're puzzling over this morning, often refers to the gospel. So, for instance, in Acts chapter 8, when the believers were scattered by persecution away from Jerusalem, and by the, word, there's, by the way, there's that word scatter, which is also used of the seed. They were scattered from Jerusalem. And what does it say? It says they preached the word wherever they went. And in the context of Acts, it's really clear that was the good news about Jesus. So the gospel in Acts is the word. Paul writes to the Colossians and says, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. And I think Paul there is not thinking so much about the words of Jesus as about the good news about Jesus. Let it dwell among you richly, the word of Christ. Um, the good news, the gospel, is expressed in different ways in the New Testament, but it's always, always, always the good news about Jesus. It's always centered on Jesus himself. Through Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near. 
That's the gospel. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is available. That's the gospel. Through Jesus, God is reconciling all things to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross. That's the gospel. Through Jesus, uh, we can have eternal life. That's the way John often expresses the gospel. And whenever it talks about eternal life, it's talking about both a quantity of life that it goes on forever and a quality of life that it's life in all its fullness. So those are all different ways of expressing the good news, but it's all good news about Jesus the King, Jesus the Messiah. And this gospel, this word that is the gospel, is powerful. It's powerful to change hearts and lives, to bring new life, to bring good fruit. Paul says in Romans, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That good news is dynamite. It's powerful um, everywhere that it goes. And so as followers of Jesus, we have received this seed, this word of the gospel into our hearts and it has changed us and it's continuing to change us and bear fruit. And we want to make sure that it dwells richly among us. But we also want to be people who scatter that seed everywhere we go. Wherever we are scattered, we scatter that seed and share good news of great joy for all people everywhere we go, right? So there's two possibilities. The word is the words of Jesus. The word is the good news about Jesus. You're thinking, how many more possibilities can there be? Well, one more that I can think of. You may be able to think of others. Um, here's another possibility, that the word is the Bible, the phrase, the word of God, um, can be used in several different ways. So Jesus himself is spoken of in John 1 as the living word of God. He is the walking, talking, living, um, embodied word of God, the word become flesh, the word who was with God and in the beginning and who is God. Um, then there's the spoken word of God, where God speaks through his prophets and God speaks through Jesus' words and speaks in all kinds of ways uh, through a living voice. But Christians also have come to believe um, that this collection of 66 books, which we call the Bible or the Holy Bible or the Scriptures, um, which was written by many different human authors over hundreds of years, is also in some real and true and meaningful way the written Word of God. And so as Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed, which is a, a wonderful phrase that's saying it's full of the breath of God, it's full of the life of God himself, and therefore it will give life to whoever takes it in. Um, it's, and Paul goes on to say, it's there, because it's God-breathed, it's therefore really useful for training and teaching and correcting um, and setting us right in our lives so that we can be equipped for every good work. Or another way of saying that would be to, to bear fruit in our lives, to change who we are and the way we live and bring all kinds of good fruit in our lives. Um, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament says the word of God is like rain. I know we're switching our metaphors here. The word is the seed, but in Isaiah, the, the word of God, is, he talks about it being like the rain and the snow, which whenever they come down to the earth, they don't go back to the sky. Do you remember your water cycle? But they, they don't go back to the sky without doing what they were sent to do. 
which is to bring forth life from the earth, to bring, make things grow and, and make things um, flourish. And so Isaiah says, so it is with the word of God. It will not return void. It will not return to God without doing what it was sent to do, which is what? To make dead things come to life, to make life appear where there wasn't life before, right? To bring fruit, to bring life, to bring newness. And so the word of God that we, we call the Bible um, is powerful. Uh, and by the way, although the scriptures are about many things and um, there are all kinds of fascinating places that we go in the Bible, in the end, they all point towards one central theme. There was a time when Jesus walked with two disciples on a road and it says he opened up the Old Testament with them and he spoke with them about all the things that were written there about himself. So all the scriptures in the end point to Jesus. Um, as Sally Lloyd-Jones says in her, ki her wonderful kids' Bible, every page whispers his name. Right? So the whole thing in the end um, is about Jesus. And so as followers of Jesus, we want to be people who feed on this living word. We want to be people who not only study the scriptures and search the scriptures, but who take them to heart and treasure them and allow them to change us and meditate on them. Um, and we want to share this life-giving word with those around us. We want to scatter this good seed wherever we go. So the time has come for a choice. Um, which of those three meanings um, do you think is the right one? The farmer sows the word. Um, you'll maybe not be surprised when I say, I, I see no reason to choose. Um, they all overlap and work together. Um, we need to scatter the words of Jesus everywhere we go. We need to scatter the good news about Jesus everywhere we go. We need to scatter the, the scriptures, which are the, the written word of God, everywhere we go. Um, they all overlap and work together, and they're all centered on Jesus, who is the living word. They're all powerful to bring new life and good fruit. And if I can give you just a little something to ponder this week and puzzle over, uh, it may sound strange when I say it, but you can ponder over it this week. Um, as I've reflected on this, I, I, I was really convinced that our Christian faith will be most healthy when we keep all three of those things together. And that actually, if we focus only on one and neglect the others, our Christian faith becomes a little wonky and out of balance. So let me tell you why I'm saying that, and you can think about it uh, later on. Some Christians, as an example, are really clear about the gospel and really passionate about the gospel and preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel and believing the gospel. But they pay very little attention to the actual words and teaching of Jesus. Another example, some Christians are really serious about studying the Bible and studying the word and talking about it and digging into it and big Bible studies and big uh, commentaries and all the rest, but they somehow seem to miss the joyful, glad, good news of the gospel, which is singing out of every page. They become very heavy and very serious. Um, there are other Christians who really focus on the red letter words of Jesus. Um, we're going to take the teaching of Jesus really seriously and apply it in our lives, but they, they seem to neglect the rest of the Bible and maybe miss the gospel. 
And I think we need all three in our lives. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching. We need to hear the glad good news of the gospel, which puts a song in our hearts and sets us free. Um, And we need to treasure every word that God has given us in the scriptures. And so I want to encourage you, that's a false choice. We don't need to choose between the three, uh, but be um, committed and passionate about all three. Um, I'm near the end. Um, I've been thinking about, um, I don't think, I wonder what for you it means to be people who scatter the seed everywhere we go. Um, I don't think it means quoting the Bible at people nonstop um, or like making our conversation just a lot of Bible jargon all the time that people can't really understand or process. I think we can just sort of uh, machine gun people with that. I'm not sure that that's what it means to scatter the word. Um, But I think it does mean we keep pointing people away from ourselves and towards Jesus and his living word. We keep being people who are saying he has the words of eternal life. Listen to him. Um, we're, we're people who are really aware that our confidence is not in our words. Um, sometimes we can think, um, I'm going to come up with the words that are going to change people's hearts uh, and try to come up with really clever words or really persuasive words or really charming words to try to win people around or win people over or win the argument or um, change people's hearts. Um, but our words don't have the power to change hearts or to change lives or to change the world. What the world needs is the word of Christ, the word of God, which whenever you you look at it sometimes doesn't look like much, looks just like a little seed. And there's so much that's wrong in the world and so much that's wrong in our lives and so much that's wrong in our communities. And it doesn't look like much to go into the world with, but it is full of life-giving power. And as we plant it in faith, as we scatter it in faith, we can then watch to see what will happen. Um, There is life-giving, world-changing power in the word of God. Um, And I want to finish with this, that um, I do want to come back to the soil to finish with. Um, The the parable, as, as you and I go into the world, joining the farmer in his good work of scattering the seed, the, the parable tells us what to expect. And I find this just really, really helpful because it tells us to expect that there will be disappointment and discouragement because sometimes you're going to share the good news about Jesus with someone and they're going to reject it immediately outright. It's like the seed on the, the path just gets snatched away immediately. There's no, no impact, it seems. Um, sometimes we're going to have a little bit of encouragement where it seems like somebody's interested but the enthusiasm is going to quickly fade. They're kind of enthusiastic one day, but it's gone the next. I think these things are really true to life, right? Sometimes you're going to be really encouraged because you see someone, it seems like they're starting to come alive in Jesus and there's good fruit starting to appear, but then life gets in the way and temptation gets in the way and the worries of life and the love of money and all kinds of things come in and crowd out the word. And it seems to be gone. And Jesus is saying, that is to be expected. That is what happens when the seed, which is the word, goes into the world. So when that happens to you, because it will, um, don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Why? 
because at the right time you will reap, reap a harvest of blessing, as Paul says in Galatians. But I think that's the, the zinger at the end of the parable. What, what's the end of the parable? Uh, the promise at the end of the parable is astonishing. It's a, an abundance of new life and good fruit. 30, 60, 100 times what was planted. Um, and I, I keep having to remember how the maths of this story works. Um, sometimes we, we try to read the story very mathematically and sort of say, the parable is saying 75% of the seed will be lost or wasted and only 25% will have a, a good response. Actually, I think even those odds, I would take them. That's kind of encouraging to get on with, right? Um, but actually, of course, Jesus doesn't tell us anything about percentages. We don't know what proportion of the soil is going to be good soil. It could be less than 25%. It could be more. But that reading where we're, we're thinking about those percentages also misses the way the maths goes a bit wild at the end. Because it's, he's saying 30, 60, 100 times what was planted. The parable encourages us to be expectant that these little seeds are powerful beyond what we can imagine. And when they take root in receptive soil, there will be an exponential explosion of new life. There'll be a kind of chain reaction of abundant blessing and new creation. And so I love the balance of Jesus is saying, there will be discouragement and there will be disappointment. And that's what that happened to the prophets and it happened to Jesus and it'll happen to you. Um, don't grow weary, don't give up because when the seed finds good soil, Right. What do they say? What do they say in the reading? Helen read us um, that Jenny quoted: "The Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations." Right. That's His promise. What is our job? Just to scatter the seed everywhere we go. Keep saying, "Don't listen to me. Listen to Him. <laughs> he has the words of eternal life." Um, last week, Rachel. Uh, when she was chairing, quoted some words from a book, which I think Glenda had shared with her, said, in the presence of the king, do not ask for small things. Um, this is a parable that encourages us to expect big things. Scatter the seed everywhere we go, point our friends and neighbours towards the living word, and then watch and wait and expect that the Lord of the harvest will do what he has promised. 30, 60, 100, who knows? I, I, don't, I don't think it even stops there. He's, yeah. um, let's take him at his word. Uh, let's plant seeds. Let's ask for big things and expect big things. Um, let's pray together. Um, and we're going to sing uh, to finish this morning. Um, let me encourage you, if you'd like someone to pray with you this morning for anything that's going on um, in your life, for your heart, there'll be a couple of people uh, up here just to my left uh, you're right, uh, who would love to pray for you uh, before you go. So uh, do, do grab that opportunity. Let, let's pray. Um, Father, as we finish, um, we want to confess um, you have the words of eternal life. We have nowhere else to go. We're really aware that our world is full of words, so many words, so many opinions, so many raised voices, um, 
strong opinions, tribal uh, voices, uh, so many different competing narratives and competing opinions and platforms, and we get overwhelmed by all the words. Sometimes we don't know what to think. We don't know what to do. Um, Father, I want to pray you'd help us in our overwhelm um, to turn to you again, to say, you have the words of eternal life. Only you have the words that can raise the dead, that can set captives free, um, that can bring the transformation and the renewal and the restoration and the healing and the salvation that we need. And so, Father, help us to take you at your word. Help us to hang on every word, to not let one of them fall to the ground. Father, help us to be receptive soil, um, hungry and eager to take in your word into our hearts and into our lives. Help us to listen to the words of Jesus, to écoute les paroles de Jésus. Help us to listen again and again and never grow tired of hearing the glad good news of the gospel. Help us to take into our lives um, the word of scripture, um, which is full of the breath of God. Um, but Father, help us also to be people who in faith Go and plant these seeds everywhere we go. Show us how to do that. We don't want to just machine gun people with Bible quotes. Um, help us to know how to faithfully, humbly, boldly plant the seed everywhere we go. Um, but Father, would you enlarge our expectations that this is your word and so it is powerful to change lives and change hearts and change families and change the world. So help us to plant it joyfully in faith and then watch to see what you will do. Um, and we pray in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Amen.